Smartphones are with us at all times. And while they're a very useful part of our lives, especially during the last year when it's been almost our windows the entire world, they do come with risks when it comes to cybersecurity. Do you know who actually has access to your phone or have you maybe downloaded something odd? That could potentially mean there are someone out there looking at your phone, uh, conducting surveillance if you're not careful. So who is conducting this and how can you avoid having your phone spied on? I'm Danny Palmer. This is ZDNet Security Update. With me to talk about this is Kristin Del Rosso, security researcher at Lookout. So thanks for joining me, Kristin. So first of all, how, what is there in this space? I mean, why are, I've touched it slightly in the intro, but how come our smartphones are such key targets for um, this sort of activity? So if you think about why a smartphone versus a computer would be targeted, um, not only is it a device that almost everyone has nowadays and it's always on their person, it's always on, um, but there's such a wide variety of information you can pull from that device. You know, with a computer or a desktop, you might be limited to just getting sensitive files and if it's plugged into a wall versus with a smartphone, not only can you get sensitive information about who someone might be talking to, where they're traveling, um, who they're messaging, but you also have a window into understanding them as a person. Um, you provides a great opportunity to socially engineer someone. So not only if someone was spying on my phone, could they say, oh, these are my best friends and you know, these are who I'm talking to, but they can say, oh, wow, she has a United app or a Southwest app, or she might have a religious app or a health tracker app. It gives you such insight into someone beyond just maybe files they're sharing and pictures they've taken, but um, kind of their person as a whole, just simply through the app list, let alone the data that's inside those applications. And phones come with the added caveat that in many cases, people will have their location uh, turned on, which you know, is a whole nother element of you know, this surveillance tool, because you might not, you might be able to tell where someone's laptop or desktop PC is, but if you are monitoring their you know, location of their phone, you can track them wherever they are, which is you know, quite intrusive. If you can tell when someone's at home, at work, or you know, wherever else they may be, this is all intimate personal information, which can give away a, a lot of information about people's lives. Yeah, definitely. So not only if you were exfiltrating photos from someone's phone that might have a geolocation on them, um, but certain types of surveillance where can in live time, essentially, you know, send updates every 10 seconds where you are or set a geofence to determine if you've left a predetermined area. So you are under essentially constant surveillance without even knowing it if you are infected. Obviously, these are very powerful tools. So so two things here. What sort of uh, people, or so attackers, we could call them, are, are using uh, uh, this sort of thing? And how are people uh, convinced or, or, or tricked into downloading these applications? Because if it was there saying, I am an app that's going to uh, surveil you wherever you go, people might be slightly skeptical about downloading it, but I imagine they they are designed to look a bit more appealing and, well, like useful apps people would want to uh, download, games, weather apps, things like that. Yeah, exactly. So there's kind of a few different categories you can touch on here. You might have applications that pretend to be useful parental monitoring tools. You have applications which uh, in the industry will categorize as a form of stalkerware or spouseware, which is as the title implies, a surveillance application installed by a partner on their phone to track the other partner's whereabouts. And then you might have a broader category, stalkerware still fits in this, of you know, surveillanceware and spyware, which can be used um, by one-off people buying a tool online to spy on someone, or even 
um, you know, and larger scale attempts on like the nation state level of going after specific political targets or religious targets in that sense. Um, and yet, to your point, you obviously don't want to have an application that says, hi, I'm a spying app, install me, because um, no one would want that. So a lot of the times you will see well done surveillance campaigns where the applications are even functional and they'll be functionally trojanized versions of applications that everyone in their daily life might use. WhatsApp, um, you know, pretending to be an internet browser, pretending to be Facebook or Instagram or, you know, a game like you mentioned. Um, and the difference is, you know, legitimate applications designed to perhaps monitor a minor child. Um, they are available in publicly downloaded spaces, official stores, as long as the user is aware at all times that on their screen that they are being monitored, because then, you know, it's a fair warning, like you're a minor, your location is being tracked. Um, it's kind of a gray zone there on how people ethically feel about that, but at least the user is given warning. But these other surveillance applications, the stalkerware applications, the user does not know that they're being monitored. It's on their device. Um, more well-made applications might not use battery life as quickly or use up cellular data as quickly as, you know, maybe more poorly made applications. But um, that can often be a sign if your phone is like your battery is dying really quickly or if you have obscene data usage charges that you don't understand where they came from, that could be it. Um, and sometimes these applications also, once they're installed on your phone, they have the ability to hide their icon. So once it's installed, you might not actually be able to see it onto the home screen. So I do want to point out though, not everyone is at risk of having this happen. Obviously, there's a difference between, you know, it's kind of a sliding scale and assess your risk um, profile here. You know, maybe if you're in an abusive relationship with a really controlling partner, and I noted in um, COVID, there was actually a very large increase in domestic abuse and surveillance where on phones going up um, because people were living at home with their abusers. And so there was a, a large rise in stalkerware installations on phones during the COVID lockdown period. But um, your average person is likely not going to be targeted by a nation state campaign trying to infect their phone with a malicious application. Um, and you are also more prone to getting infected by these things if you don't download applications from like official app stores. So if you go to a third party app store or like a weird website or someone might send you a link, a social engineering link saying, hey, check out this app. It's a cool new app. And you go to the site and download it, um, sideload it onto your device that puts you more at risk. Um, but the average person hopefully likely will not actually be targeted by such severe surveillance applications. You mentioned there the, you know, the gray area of this because there are, you know, as you say, there are apps which do advertise themselves on providing this sort of service. You know, I, I've sometimes received email pictures uh, about, you know, here's my new app, it can sort of tell you where your kids are and that sort of thing, which is something a parent would probably find useful, even though there's you know, a whole debate about whether that's the right thing to do or not. But it's not going to take much if someone can you know, try and exploit that or abuse that. And especially when there's information uh, as discussed like geotracking and being able to see the contents of messages or photos even, which you know can create all sorts of issues. Uh, if someone doesn't know, someone else is uh, looking at, at, at their device. Yeah, exactly. And these applications, you know, again, ethically, if you're okay with, you know, monitoring your child's phone or not, that's one question. I think it's been a great step, at least in terms of official stores, they've put a line in the sand that, you know, they're not going to allow certain types of applications that don't highlight that the user is being monitored. Um, but also said, I think it's important to just be aware of that these exist, because while you might not likely be a target of them, 
they're several, you know, are, they're very stalker apps. They're very cheap and easy to find online. Easy. They give you instructions. They have customer support, how to install it on the target device. Sometimes you can find open source repositories online of how to create your own surveillance where. Um, and so there are people out there who might do it as a prank or for fun, but that can often also lead to people developing these applications and infecting a device that, you know, the user clearly should not have it on their phone. And when it comes to uh, deploying these apps, I mean, there are cases where the person having it installed on their phone will have no idea. So how does it, how do these apps get installed? Now we discussed how they get downloaded you know, potentially from app stores or third parties. How are these, because the person will have to ultimately download the app themselves. How, how does this happen? I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking uh, along the lines of there was an incident a few years ago, it was found that people were spy, spying on members of um, the a military uh, of the military, essentially using one of the oldest tricks in the book, pretending they were a pretty girl and wanting yeah. them to sort of say, oh, download this link to chat with me in private. And that was yeah. not something uh, that was, uh, well, that, that that was basically the spyware, which uh, the, these uh, these guys and- They eventually yeah. ended up getting functional surveillance, but you're right, they used a social engineering attempt of download this app so we can talk. They downloaded it, it didn't even work. Um, um, and so that kind of brings two points. You say they either have to install it. There are also times where if you lose access to your phone and someone actually, someone else has access to your phone, then it can be installed as well. So if you look in the case of stalkerware or like spouseware, if you perhaps are in an abusive situation, if someone has access to your phone, if they take your phone away, by all means, they can plug it in and install something without you knowing, or maybe you might even be suspicious, but you don't know how to remove it. Um, so that is one area where definitely physical access is, might be required or easier to install it. Um, it's a little bit trickier to get people to install something themselves, but that's where social engineering comes into play. So, you know, often for these state-sponsored campaigns or the more targeted campaigns, you might see actors set up a watering hole, like a custom site, and the site might mimic a popular legitimate chat application. And maybe, you know, the domain name is one letter off from the real website and someone might not notice it, but it's an attempt to really trick the user into going there and thinking it's legitimate. Um, and so either they see it somewhere, if it's advertised on a site they'd go to, or they've been targeted and someone reached out and sends them that link or redirects them to that site where it's available for download. Um, again, that's where the warning of just out of, you know, abundance of caution, likely please don't download applications from non-legitimate application stores if you're actually concerned. It's made me think of uh, something that's been happening here in the UK, where I'm speaking to you from, where there's been a spate recently of, um, maybe it's not, it's not necessarily stalkerware attacks, but malware campaigns mm -hmm. being distributed by text message saying they are from the post office or a delivery company or HMRC uh, saying, oh, this has happened. Now, in the case of the post office, you have, you have, you have a missed parcel, uh, click here. And they are know quite understandably you know especially now when uh, in the UK we're still in lockdown to an extent so a lot of people have been ordering things from uh, online companies but when yeah. you get a text message saying oh we are from you know this company you know a well-known company uh your instinct might be go oh crap I I, I must have been out uh I will I will mess I'll, I'll reply to this I'll click this link and that's how um you, if there's a sense of urgency, they come. They want to sort of like uh, get you that way. You know that that's exactly it. The sense of urgency or the sense of connection, where you know I get those fake Amazon or fake 
FedEx delivery text messages every now and then. And I will legitimately double check because I'm like, well, I know I ordered something yesterday and it should be arriving, but I have looked at them enough where I'm like okay, aware this is not what it is. And so those phishing links, um, a lot of the time will have a different motive in mind than being directly related to a surveillance campaign. Obviously phishing, um, mobile phishing, is one way to get a target to download surveillance apps. But this is kind of a pivot on a different part of the mobile threat ecosystem in mobile phishing um, because those apps are kind of, or those campaigns are often more designed around collecting personal information, credit card information, maybe banking information, because if you click on them, it's not gonna instantly download malware to your phone always. Um, you know, that is possible for some surveillance words like Pegasus has like the one click installation. But you know, if in your generic phishing campaign, if they're just trying to get money or banking details, you'll click on it, it'll open up in a browser and on your phone that with a page that might look legitimate saying, okay, enter your details to pay this customs fee or an import fee or to collect your package, whatever. And sometimes people go through with it. Um, and my advice there is log in on your browser, first of all, to confirm that it is actually lost or missing or have an issue if that does come up to you. But if you are also unsure, because they often come in like those short little bit.ly links, um, if you hold down, at least on an iPhone, it will show you the full URL before you go to it on that site. So you can check that it's not actually a real legitimate website. One of the more complex things about surveillance where is that you know, it does have access to all of your uh, contacts, all of your messages, phone numbers, that sort of thing. So is there a chance that if someone you know, is doing this, uh, you know, looking at you to get this information, is there a chance they could use you as a conduit to get to someone else? Uh, mm -hmm. They were actually uh, in order to uh, carry on this campaign because no matter what, no matter what the uh, motive of this might be, if they're interested in you, they might be interested in your friends, co-workers and family as well. Yep. Um, again, often more with financially focused campaigns over surveillance, but in terms of using your contacts to propagate further. Um, but that we have definitely seen that in various malware families where once they're installed on the device, it will go through your contact list and send a message to your contact saying, hey, you should download this app. So your contacts think you are actually sending them a cool new app to download to play a game or whatever. When in reality, you're just also sending them a different banking Trojan or something to install on their phone. Um, so that is definitely a, you know, kind of a clever means of using that um, area of trust almost. Like if I get a text from my best friend saying, hey, I'm using this app and it's kind of a nicely worded text saying, check it out. You know, I might double, now that I'm in this field, would double check and be like, are you sure this isn't a link? But to, you know, a standard person that is, you, you trust the person. You know, if my mom texts me something saying, click on this link, you know, you might take a look. So when it comes to uh, surveillanceware and spyware, I mean, the whole point of it is it's there to not be discovered. So uh, it's a tricky one, but how could someone figure out if uh, they uh, had uh, got this onto their phone? And I suppose from there, how could they get rid of it uh, if, if that's the case? Yeah, um, so there are several indicators that might, um, you know, point to the fact that you've been compromised and it's on your device. Uh, if you notice maybe that there are text messages being sent that you didn't send or, you know, calls being made that you didn't make, because not only are some of these uh, surveillance wares capable of exfiltrating sensitive data, but they're also remote access Trojans, which means commands can be executed on that device. So instead of just being installed and passively sending out data, an attacker can actively um, work with the device and say, call this person, text this person, upload this file. So if you were kind of a little bit more tech savvy, you might be able to see 
this is going on there. Or if you notice an application background on your home screen that you didn't install, um, at least on Android, if you can maybe list the packages on the device and say, hmm, this one's odd. So if it's hiding its icon, but you list the packages, you can at least determine it's on there. Um, but, and again, like we mentioned before, battery usage, data usage, if you notice spikes in those are really odd battery lives, um, that could also possibly be indicative of an app running that you are not aware of. And we've touched upon this uh, a little already, but how can, uh, what are some things that people can do to avoid downloading these apps in the first place? I suppose you know, one of the key things would be don't, don't download things from stores you don't trust or weird links, but then there's sometimes you know, uh, on the Google system, uh, Google ecosystem, things can still sneak in there. But so uh, what tips should people be taking on board just, just to stay as safe as they can to not yeah. get infected in the first place by this or, or any other sort of uh, mobile threat? Yeah, and you're right that sometimes, yes, they can make it into official stores. Um, and typically stores do a very good job at, you know, once aware of it or having their own internal teams will work very quickly to take it down, you know, ban the developer and do their best to keep the users safe. So, you know, 99% of the time I'd say you're still okay. But um, in order to just stay your safe, you know, just like we treat our computers with an antivirus or have protection on our computers, I think we're at a phase where you should have something of the equivalent on your device. Um, your mobile phone is a very smart computer. It's just pocket sized and has tons of sensitive data. Why wouldn't you have some sort of mobile uh, protection on there? So there are a variety of companies that produce something that either flags to anomalous behavior or known malicious files or perhaps like suspicious links. Um, they're free apps, you can download them. So you might as well just put one on your phone if you're concerned. I think Tristan has some very good advice on this on what's a very interesting subject. Hopefully this has helped uh, some people out there uh, maybe stay a bit safer using their, their mobile devices. So thanks for joining me on ZDNet Security Update. And for more information on how to stay safe online, be it on your mobile phone, your laptop or anything else, uh, be sure to keep uh, watching ZDNet Security Update. And, and there's plenty of news and features on ZDNet.com. Thanks for watching.